Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Palomo here with us as with me as well today. We'll be with you for less than an hour here on a Thursday morning as we tape this. Hope you are doing well. I'll tell you before we get going that uh, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. And the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you at least consider doing, and that's get into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the product. You'll love the service. Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. He'll prove that to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get going, Tell the people about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you all. Yeah, man. <clears throat> um, absolutely. So one of, one of the things we've been doing too, Neil, uh, each time we've recorded, I've kind of talked about our, our different business lines. And um, one of the things I wanted to highlight today is so quarter just ended last week. Um, you know, September was a, a crazy month in the markets. Uh, people who pay attention to that stuff probably know that for a lot of folks they may not realize it because uh the quarter was still was still really good for stocks i mean july and august were were phenomenal months and we're gonna do a stacy and i'll talk a little separately we'll do another deal for our clients and folks that are interested and talk more detail but so i was reviewing since i'm our chief investment officer one of the things i have to do each quarter is is review every single one of our investment models and um i was reviewing them quarter in and I, i knew that the stocks were going to be good um, but man, surprisingly, like our bond portfolio and our alternatives portfolio really kicked butt, um, the last two quarters. And I'm kind of, I was excited about that, man. So I'm riding a little pink cloud cause I'm, I'm responsible for both of those and neither of those portfolios ever get any love whatsoever. So I kind of like spiked the football in the end zone, man. Uh, I had one of those moments and, uh, it's kind of cool because, you know, people always talk about stocks, but man, a balanced portfolio is really important. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, what that means, especially if you're doing it yourself. And uh, so I guess I'm going to say, you know, hey, if, if, if you're out there and, and you've been doing it on your own and um, you either need a little help or you need some guidance or you need some planning, um, give us a call, 601-957-0323. Uh, like I've said, if your stomach is in knots or, you know, you're saying, hey, man, I'm, I'm tired of riding the roller coaster or the carousel. Um, you can also email us info at PINNtrust.com. We're active on social media. Uh, you can grab us on Facebook, either the Pinnacle Trust page or uh, the Mind on My Money page. We'll respond back to you. So um, the, uh, the old telephone number is uh, 601-957-0323. And I am coming from you guys with you guys today from the original Pelican Club studio in Madison. I am no longer in my house. My wife has recovered or is recovering from her surgery and, and I am back out in the normal world again, man. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I actually, I, she told me she had a, maybe I shouldn't, I don't care. She had a hysterectomy and, um, so it was a pretty big surgery, man. And, uh, she told me on, she came home with surgery was Wednesday, Thursday. She was totally out of it because, it was the, the day one after surgery and Friday, uh, she told me I was a terrible nurse, which is probably true. And I was in my head, I was like, well, it's a good thing I didn't go to nursing school, but I didn't say that cause I didn't, you know, want to die. Yeah. You, um, uh, dying's never a great idea. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I still want to live a little longer. Uh, and surely if I would have, if I would have said that to her, I would, I would not be talking to you right now. You guys would be at my visitation and, Oh, well, we wouldn't because it would be socially oh, distant. That's right. God bless um, COVID. All right. Let me ask this before we get into the vice presidential debate that was last night and your thoughts on that. I saw where the markets were down last month for the first time since March. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you make of that? What does that mean? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a couple of things that people could say um, were drivers of of the of the market being down. And man, I I honestly think that the market is right now a little addicted to stimulus. Um, so you know, whenever, and it's, and it's crazy because you can see it just in the last few days too, like when Trump, um, you know, was, is recovering from COVID at the white house, he made a tweet saying, you know, essentially saying that the deal is stimulus talks are off because, you know, Pelosi wouldn't, wouldn't work with him and, you know, markets tumbled the next, the next day. And then he makes another tweet, not 24 hours later. And is like, Hey, you know, stimulus talks are back on essentially. And, uh, and the market is up. So it's kind of like an 08 where, um, you know, it was like, it's like bad news was good news because when bad economic data was reported, uh, you know, the, the Fed would step in and stimulate the markets more. And, and so that was a good thing for the markets. That's kind of what this feels like right now is, you know, every time there's bad news, and I say, you know, having to talk about stimulus is is not positive news. I mean, it's good for people that need it, but that means that we are still needing some help. Right. Um, so kind of bad news is good news. And, uh, and, you know, September was one of those months where we couldn't get stimulus packages, you know, talked about or done. And there was a lot of anxiety and, and fear. And then, I mean, you know, a couple of, of things politically that, that happened, I think, I think contributed to, uh, some of the sell-off too, with, you know, with, Trump talking about, you know, not confirming that he would do have a peaceful transition of power. I think that made things a little bit skittish. There's, there's probably a, a couple of things I could identify that made markets skittish. I mean, the well, and he got he got weird the last few days about whether or not he would approve a stimulus, whether he would you know negotiate a stimulus, and he kind of got wishy washy on that. I mean, yeah, he did. We're going to talk about markets are vice- sketchy right now, man. It's yeah, the markets are skittish right now because there's everything. Skittish, that's the word I was looking for. Yes, not everything, skittish. Everything is skittish. I mean, like yeah. you know, I got a lot of criticism to pass out to three of the four people that have been debating. I mean, I got a lot. So you know, including Trump, for the people that are like, oh, you're just all Trump. I'm not all Trump. I think Trump has done a. A, I have I have major issues with the way Trump has handled his own COVID case. I really do. I, yeah, I have, I'd be interested in talking about that too. I have big issues. All right, you want to start there? Let's we'll start there. Let's start there. Since uh, since the last well, I time think, we, t- I think the, that I've talked about on the the podcast that we were we were all positive at my house. I was just totally asymptomatic. So, um, so I have I'll say I have a little bit of experience with it as well. Yeah. I had it. Uh, at least one of my daughters has had it. I think they've both had it. Carson's probably had it because he's been in the same house with everybody. Um, I think my, looking back, I think my wife had it, and she may have been the one who gave it to me, and I don't think she knew she had it. I think she thought Laura has always had a lot of sinus issues. You know, yeah. like she'll get S- same here, man. Yeah, she'll get you know real stopped up, congested, all that stuff, and and so I think she thought that's what she had yeah. because she didn't other symptoms but i think looking back on it it's it's likely that she had covid19 yep. and just did and she gave it to me and listen had they're not had were i not aware of a pandemic i would have never thought known that, it i would have thought i just had a little cold yeah um I, w- I it would not have stopped me at all i would have kept going to the gym the, the whole deal so anyway trump gets it and uh, gets admitted into Walter Reed. The media immediately, I mean, I have a lot of people to criticize here. Um, the media immediately turned that story essentially into a breathless Trump's going to die watch. And then Trump didn't die. Because while Trump is 74 and he does not look like a healthy man, he is obese. He's not slightly overweight. He's obese. Yeah. He's, he's very overweight. He doesn't exercise. He, he eats poorly based on things I've heard. He doesn't take very good care of himself. He doesn't look particularly good, but he's 74. And despite all of those comorbidities, it appears that he is absolutely going to survive the virus. Like 99.7 or so percent of people who get the virus. Right. That pissed the media off. If we're just being fair about it now trump did some stuff that i thought was ridiculous yeah, he's taunted them a lot too 
He's taunted them. He got in the car with the Secret Service people and drove around. That was completely unnecessary. And this is one of the few places where I actually agree with the media. We as the taxpayers, we as the people who elect the president, we do have a right to know the president's health. Yep, 100%. And it is a fair question of the media to ask the president or the president's people, when was his last negative test? You've been talking about all the precautions that you have taken. When was the last time that the president tested negative coronavirus? That is a fair question, and it is a, fa a question that deserves to be answered. I suspect it is not being answered because the president has something to cover up. It's never a good look. Um, you mean like in, in the in the past? Like yeah, not my, in the present, because obviously he would he test positive not, right now for My, my for guess COVID. is that he was not, I mean, before the first positive diagnosis. Right. When, you know, he, he came back from the, he went to Cleveland, he debated Joe Biden. He went to. Uh, oh, Duluth. okay. So you're talking about like, has he been yeah. being tested regularly? Yeah. So he went to gotcha, Duluth, gotcha, Minnesota gotcha. on that Wednesday. Yep. And they had a, they had a rally. And on the way back, that's when, um, what is her name? Um, uh, I blah, 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 blah. Yep. Um, one of his, one of his very top aides. Heather. She, uh, I can't think of it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, she, it doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, it, it does matter. Yes, not, not, yes, yes. You're, you're correct. But to, to your story, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter to my story. One of his top aides um, began to get symptoms and uh, quarantined on Air Force One. And uh, when they got back, apparently she tested and she tested positive. So this is on Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. And the president, I guess, came out that Thursday night saying, Hey, he, he and the first lady were in quarantine and they had tested and he did an interview with Fox news and blah, blah, blah. And look, we're just talking about a matter of hours here. Hope Hicks. But, my, but hope Hicks. Thank you. Yep. But I wanted, I wanted to see, I would like to, for him to say, yeah, look, we tested on, on Tuesday in Cleveland and I was negative. We tested on Wednesday before I left for Duluth and I was negative. We tested again on Thursday and I was positive. Okay. But when you can't say that, I start saying, well, have you been testing? I mean, you know, what all have you done? Did you, is there, is it possible that you had this the night of the first debate? Is it possible you had this when you went to Duluth? I mean, there are questions, you know, I mean, you're the president of the United States and you, you do answer to the American people and that's a fair question and he's not answering it. And it bothers me if I'm completely honest. Um, in the same way that it bothers me that the media kind of won't let it go that and tell the story of, okay, so instead it's, well, the president got a level of treatment that other people can't get. Martin, that's not true. And now, did the president get great treatment? Yes, like all presidents before and after. We're going to take care of our president. We should. Yeah, can I, can I, can I interject real, real quick right yeah. there? Though? I, I, this, I will part here with, uh, I fully think that the president our our sitting president. It doesn't matter who it is. I would have said the same thing when it was Obama, or I would have said the same thing when it was W. I would. I don't care. Uh, I hope that we take better care of of them than you know than we would uh, than they would me. Because I like. I get it. I'm a. I, I'm. I am a person. I'm a human. I, I like to feel like I'm important too. But it is. I, I do feel like it's a little bit different of a of a deal. So if he got some special treatment, or if Obama were to get special treatment, or or Bush, I would be. A hundred percent on board with, with a president receiving a better treatment than I would get. I would hope that because, because he's the you know he's the leader of the free world. I would I would hope that we would. I'm just going to part there from. I know that that may sound silly, but I, I I would hope that we would give him preferential treatment or better or access to stuff that I might not of have. Of course, but you know, but the rindisivir whatever is a drug that is available readily available to people who are not the president of the United States. Right. Um, you know that. Like, Let's be real. And, and here's the reality. This is what frustrates people say, what is your deal with COVID? Why are you so angry? I don't know that angry is the right word, though. I'm, I'm closing in on anger. If I'm honest, I'm, I'm very frustrated with the <clears throat> of the media to say that the, not only the overwhelming majority, 
But more than 99% of people, including 74-year-old obese people, recover from this. They will not tell that part of the story. They just won't do it. They will not, it does not fit the agenda. It does not fit the narrative. And they will not do it. And instead, they propagate fear. And one of the things that I've learned in the last seven months that I did not know before March the 13th is how intoxicating fear is for a lot of people in our society. Oh, yeah. I mean, but dude, fear drives from, let's just talk about it from a pure marketing standpoint. I know we're running down a little rabbit hole, but it, it's applicable everywhere. Fear drives, <clears throat> fear drives decision-making, not just in, you know, elections or things like that, but how we buy our products that we use or, you know, not use things or how one advisor wins business over another advisor. It's a tactic that's used, you know, every day. I mean, it has been amplified significantly since you know, since February, March, you're, I'm hundred percent on board. It's, I just, it's, it's been used significantly more. I mean, it's used in every election too, but man, it is, I'm worn out, man. I've got fatigue from, from all this stuff. I mean, not just COVID man. I've got fatigue from the election cycle. Uh, I'm just ready. I've never been tried to speed a year long. Uh, but dude, I'm just so I'm, I'm ready for 2021. And I almost am at the point where like, I don't care what happens. I'm just ready for 2021. Yeah. Listen, I don't, I, I, I completely agree. I, I have, uh, I'll admit it. I have, I have COVID fatigue and I have some Trump fatigue. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, and, and, and I'll say and Trump slash it, political fatigue. It, it, it's Trump fatigue. I have some Trump fatigue. Now I'll switch the vice presidential last night. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to talk in, about that too. In Salt Lake city. And uh, it was between the sitting vice president, Mike Pence, and, uh, and the, Kamala Harris, yeah. And, and the California senator, Kamala Harris. And um, I thought the narrator did a, the moderator, I should say, yep. did, did, a, uh, did a pretty solid job. When it was all over, Pence spoke three seconds longer than Harris. So that's a, that's a victory for her. Yep. Um, I thought she was respectful. I thought her questions were fair. Um, it was it was a solid format, and I ninety nine percent of the time was appreciative of both uh, Senator Harris and Vice President Pence for allowing the other candidate to talk. Um, I, I thought I thought we learned some things. I thought we learned a lot of things. Um, it bo- what bothers me on the Republican side, and I've said this, is Trump, is, is his lack of, of, he doesn't act like a president, and I want him to act like a president, and he refuses to. That bothers me. What bothers me on the Democratic side is that we're not being honest right now. We're not being honest at all. It is very obvious if you watch this campaign that this is not Joe Biden running against Donald Trump. This is, this is the Democratic, yeah, this the is the left. This is the left wing of the Democratic Party with Joe Biden as its puppet running against Donald Trump. And I think the left, I think the Democratic Party is going to win. I do. I think they're going to win. And um, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. And I, at this moment, think they're probably going to win the Senate, too. And I think that is going to be an indictment of Donald Trump and the Republican Party, much like the Democratic Party had to four years ago with Hillary Clinton. They're going to have to do a, um, a, a long look in the mirror and figure it out. But last night, interestingly, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, I thought, so we've seen four candidates debate over the last eight days. And there's one that right now would, could readily get my vote for president, and that's Mike Pence. And he's not right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. At, like, I'm not laughing at what you're saying, but you, it's, you're not the first person I've heard say that in the, in the last 24 hours. I've seen it several of my buddies, um, and and a couple of them that are not super super engaged with politics in the past, have made the same comment. Can we just can can I just vote for Pence? Um, you know, and most of, and truth be told, most of my friends and my people uh, around my social network are conservative. It's part of where we live as well. <clears throat> and I do have, you know, my friends that are on the left um, from college, from high school, 
and I see their stuff too, but, but yeah, that was, sorry, man. That's kind of funny. I was just, I was giggling because you're not the first person I've heard say that. I thought Pence was very presidential last night. I thought he very clearly articulated views. He avoided a couple of questions. He did. They both did. They both, they both avoided. It was interesting. They both avoided questions as it pertained to the help of the person at the top of their ticket. Correct. Correct. Uh, he would not address Trump's health in any shape, form, or fashion other than to say he, they appreciated the prayers and the thoughts. And I yep. was like, dude, that, that is not what she asked you. And, and she, Kamala Harris, would not discuss the health of Joe Biden or whether they had had a conversation about his ability to, to lead because, let's face it, that's the elephant in the room. But the fact that neither of them answered it bothered me. And I, the, one, the one criticism I have of the moderator, and people said, well, she wrote Pelosi's book, and she's this, and she's that. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care about that either. What, what, what I, the, really, the only criticism I have of her, and I thought she did a really good job. And I know she's, you know, probably she and I would not spend Hang a lot out. of time yeah. hanging out. But, but I, th- I thought she was given a task, and I thought she did it well, with the exception of this. I wish she could have just called a timeout and said, Vice President Pence, Senator Harris, I asked a question that the American people want to know, and I'm asking you again to answer it. Yeah, because neither of you did. Because neither of you gave me an answer and then for the second debate in a row the democratic party first joe biden and now kamala harris have been asked about packing the supreme court yep and have not answered it correct and after a while a no answer is an answer i agree with that if you're not gonna if you're not gonna dispute it if i go to my if i go to my son when he was a little boy and i said carson did you eat those cookies? And he says, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, the, the, uh, I, I, I really like fudge dad. Um, you know, I, I like chicken too. Um, uh, did you dad, did you see where the Lakers, uh, made, did you see that game? I mean, if that's his first answer and then the time runs out, he gets saved by the bell or a phone call or something. And the next time I said, Carson, did you eat those cookies? And the answer is once again, Boy, I tell you, Dad, the, that Javi Baez, he sure is something, isn't he? I mean, he? He is great. Don't you love him, Dad? He, you see that home run he hit, Dad? That was awesome. Hey, you want to go ride bikes, Dad? If, if that if that's his answer, the answer is yes. Yeah, Dad, I, ate I ate the cookies. I ate the cookies. And so that's kind of where I am with the Democrats right now is the answer is very quickly becoming yes, we're going we're gonna to pack the court, and at which point that becomes an election issue that needs to be really discussed. Huge. Huge. And then also – and we kind of brushed a little bit by the topic, not because, you know, we were intentionally doing it, but let's, can we just, let's, let's walk down fantasy land, fantasy lane for just a second. Let's pretend, uh, in, in January we're, you know, inaugurating, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, um, by March or April, uh, Joe Biden is no longer fit to serve as, president of the United States and Kamala Harris is uh, <clears throat> assumes the duty and the roles of, of president and, and Pelosi assumes the duty and roles of, of, of vice president. And then really we should have been vetting out what does, cause you know, one of the things we even talked about here a few weeks ago was the tax policy. And I, and I even, I even said, Hey, you know, I was really kind of surprised. Um, that Biden's, but I shouldn't have been, but I was, I was a little surprised that Biden's tax policy was really kind of more middle, more moderate than, than left leaning, um, you know, and a lot more moderate than I would have expected. Uh, but if, if what, if my fantasy scenario is set up and he captures a lot of independence or undecideds with, you know, things like the tax policy being, um, not so severe as, as someone who would be, you know, far left leaning. Well, as soon as April rolls around and Biden is no longer fit to be president, we, we didn't, we're going to get something that we didn't vote for. And that's going to be the policies of extreme, of an extreme left. Uh, and I would think that tax policies would, uh, would, would change drastically, uh, you know, even their natural resource 
uh, argument that they had last night where, you know, she back, you know, was trying to, you know, bang the gong that, you know, Biden said fracking would still continue. And, and, and I thought Pence pushed her a lot on, you know, well, you said you're totally against it. Then, then they were against it. And then, you know, your new green deal, you're a co-sponsor of the bill and you have it on your website, but yet in the debate last week, Joe Biden said new green deals, you know, not going to be a part of, of, uh, of his campaign. And I'm like, man, there's a lot, I have a, I have a, I have a lot more questions now than I did several weeks back. Well, I do too. And, and there's a part of me that wonders if there's a certain amount of nuancing the lie here, which is, you know, uh, yes, there will be fracking until Joe Biden is not the president anymore, at which point there won't be fracking. There won't be, yeah. You know, if, if there's a little bit of, well, the vice president says there will be fracking. And uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Joe Biden says there will be fracking. And, and technically, he's he's telling the truth. Yeah, there will be until April. But he's going to step down in July or August or yeah, whatnot. Whenever. At that point, there's going to be a new sheriff in town. Yep. And I'm that sheriff. Uh, there's a part of me that wonders about why we can't be straight about the, the new Green Deal. Right. Biden says it's not um, part of, of, of their plan, and it's right there on their website. And if you read the new Green Deal, it's very similar to the old Green Deal, which everybody agreed was a nightmare. It, it shuts down jobs. It, it ruins families. It, 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 we shut down manufacturing jobs. We, we just keep repeating and, and there's, I have concerns. I mean, I do. I have, I have real concerns about what those answers are. And when she says right away that they will, I mean, to her credit, she was very transparent here. Yep. They will day one repeal the, the Trump tax cuts. Um, yeah. That's, that's going to change markets that moment. It, it uh, it, de- it definitely will have some of an impact, you know, on markets too. And I think there's so much uncertainty that floats around with a Biden Harris ticket. I'm not saying that it's, you know, you know, when, when, when Obama was elected, I remember folks were like, Oh, everything's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, and, and it kind of already was in, in hell in a handbasket, which is also probably one of the reasons that, you know, he had a really great um, first, you know, first term or a, a great campaign getting elected the first time was, um, you know, he was he was campaigning on change, and there was a lot of people hurting in '08 that wanted change, you know, and that's the thing that I, I think that it's a little bit different now is things the economy is different, um, you know, the things that that are really important to people. Uh, having, you know, their day-to-day lives. And I know that, that there has been a, an impact of COVID, but one of the things that they even said last night was, you know, she likened our economy to the Great Depression. And I was just like, no, nope, I don't, that's not, we're not anywhere close to Great Depression. Now, if we continue to stall and we don't get things up and running and back moving again, could we see some big, you know, a, a, a big depression or recession? Could be, you know, and I look at places like, you know, she even said she was touting the uh, uh, the layoffs at Disney, right? Um, right? You know, people are losing their job. Well, that's because her state will not allow Disneyland to open. So, and it's like talking from both sides of the mouth. It's like, oh, you see, there's, you know, all this un- unemployment is rising. Well, yeah, your state didn't allow Disneyland to open. And your governor has even said that he's not in any rush to get a plan for theme parks to reopen. So what other choice? And, and Bob Iger is a Democrat. It's like, but what other choice? And Bob Iger is CEO of Disney. Sorry, I just said that like everyone would know. And most pe- most normal people probably don't know that. What, but what choice are you giving a company when you don't allow them to operate? When you restrict their business and their ability to earn an income, which then in, in turn employs people, which then in turn gives them a paycheck, which puts food on the table, which pays bills, which reinvests into our U.S. You know, economy. If, if you're overly restrictive on things, all in the name of protecting grandma and grandpa and people with, with really you know, bad underlying health conditions – 
then then let's 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 just segregate that class of people and let the young, healthy, able-bodied folks, you know, carry the economy until we figure something out. And I know I just went on a on a tear there, man. But I'm just I, these are this is how my mind works. So it's like talking out of both sides of your mouth when you say, "Others, oh, you know, twenty eight Disney lays off twenty eight thousand people." Well, yeah, dude, your state was responsible for that. Yeah, I mean, there was so much of the economic stuff last night that oh, I kept, yeah, <laughs> I kept waiting for her to say, or for Pence to just come out and say, "Let's take a freeze, a, a snapshot of the economy on about March 1st. Let's look where it was on March 1st. Let's talk about why it is here today. This is he. He does not. Neither he nor Trump are willing to just." draw that line of demarcation in the sand that says look we believe in free will and we believe in freedom and and the other party believes in controlling you and in mandates pence got there a little bit but he didn't go there as hard as i think he should because frankly i i think they're at the point where they they're going to have to start going with the deep ball a little bit because i think they're losing i yeah. think they're i think they're losing handily right now and you're, you're going to have to change the strategy um, and there's a part of me that thinks Trump doesn't really want to win, that Trump wants to go out his way and just be done with it. Um, and I mean that. Uh, strategically, their campaign makes no sense right now. I mean, like even today to say he's not going to do the, the virtual debate, why you would give up an opportunity, why you would give up an opportunity for Joe Biden to have to actually answer questions for 90 minutes is beyond me. Yeah, I think he's just, I mean, I don't know if that's one of those Trump, you know, pressure tactics where, you know, he's just trying to get something to change. And then in, you know, day before the debate, he'll say, all right, I'll, I'll be there. I'm hoping that's what, what that is. But it's dude, petul- he's been petulant for a while. For four years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like when I say that, but he has. Well, and one of the things that she talked about too, and you know, I think it was our very first episode or episode one, two, or three on Mind on My Money, we were talking about um, education, like college education. And I think this is when we were weighing out kind of like the Warren, um, you know, education plans and the Bernie Sanders stuff and and it kind of crept back in there last night and it was like just it was very fleeting too and it was when she was talking about repealing the Trump tax cuts and you know and um and taxing the american corporations and the wealthiest uh you know of americans and saying you know they would do things like you know invest in infrastructure and i hear you always hear that infrastructure is like one of those but it should be on the drinking game right where every time you hear the word infrastructure you got to drink um but then she went as far as to say that, you know, if people people who wanted to go to a two-year college, like a community college, um, that that would be free. And I was like, okay. I mean, I went to a community college. I earned a scholarship. But there was a lot of people in my community that whether they were doing trade school or, you know, or trying to get their core stuff to transfer out to a four-year school, there was a lot of people that went. And, and albeit, you know, it's a lot less expensive for the two-year school versus going straight to a four-year school. But then she followed that up with saying, like, if you make less than $125,000, which let's just be totally honest about that, that is, and I don't have the statistics, so I'm not going to pull one out of my butt, but that's a very large cross-section of the entire U.S. population, like a family that makes less than $125,000. And they're saying, you'll go to a public university for free. And I'm just like, holy crap, like, who's going to pay for that? I mean, obviously, they're thinking American corporations and, you know, and the super wealthy are going to pay. But what happens if that happens? I mean, if you want to take a talk it out, you know, and some and some corporations will stay because, you know, they have a they have a commitment to America or they're you know, they'll stay for, for other reasons. And then you'll have corporations that do what they did, you know, a couple of years back and they'll find a company in Ireland. Uh, they'll buy that company in Ireland and they'll do like a reverse merger so that, uh, they can domicile their, 
business outside of the purview of the U.S. tax code. And, you know, and I'm not saying that we should bend down, bend over and please, you know, the super wealthy and, and corporations. But, you know, I also don't think that you cut your nose off in spite of your face. And so if they win and that does happen, how are they going to keep their promise to, you know, I don't know what the percentage of America is that makes less than $125,000, but I, ha- I mean, dude, you have to think that's at least half of America, maybe more. I mean, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a significant percentage. Yeah. So, and if a four year university costs, you know, well, you're paying for a four year university, right? Public university right now. It's, it's I mean, if yeah. you're in state, it's probably what, 10, 15,000 a year. Yeah. It's um, about that. It's and, a little more. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's roughly that it's, it's, um, let's just call it $15,000 a year. Now that is just tuition. Yeah. That is not, that's not everything else. That's not room and board and, board and, and books and all that stuff. So, you know, if they it, I don't know what it is, man. It's 20, it's $25,000 a year is what it is. Is if you just want to get right down to the nitty gritty and people are having to take out college loans and stuff, people who make more than $125,000. Uh, are having to take out loans to help pay for it all. So, so this this notion of we're going to it, this is what drives me crazy, man. It it really does. It really bothers me. It bothers me because it's media, it's 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 education. It's no one's willing to say these words. We can't. We're not willing to have a real conversation about what the hell all this stuff means. If everybody who makes less than one hundred twenty five thousand dollars is going to have state public in, uh, education for free. That means taxes are about to skyrocket. skyrocket. Yeah, that's that's the whole point I was and I was going to be like, you know, Just, I was going to actually try to put some calculations to it, but Yeah, but we'll go ahead, put calculations no, to it. We'll, we'll keep talking we'll, and I'll calculate while we're talking. What it's going to mean is that no one's going to be able to afford anything. And so what here's what people don't get. I'll say it on the record. I'm on the record on this. I make more than $125,000 a year. Um our our our, our combined incomes is, is well over that. But if you start raising my, my taxes 10, 15, 20% above what it is right now, which is suffocating, frankly, as a small business owner. I mean, it was bad under Obama. It's been bad under Trump. Um, it was worse under Obama. With Trump, I, there, was, there were some cuts. They were not anywhere near as significant as I think they should be. Um, but if you raise them, what am I going to do? I'm going to invest less in my business. I'm going to invest less in people that, that work for me to the point of laying people off. Um, it's going to lessen the product that I give to my consumer. But I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to protect me, priority one, and my family, priority one as well. That's it. That's what everyone's going to do. So yep. I'm, not a, I'm not a great example because for me, all that's going to get impacted is one, maybe two people. Right. But if I'm running... I'm running a, a, a chain of some sort of like a, I'm running a, a, I don't even know the best example, Martin. If I'm running a place like Pinnacle Trust and awesome. all of a sudden my, my taxes get, get punched to the point that I'm like, Hey, I've got to lay people off. Yeah. I'm, you know, you're, you're, you're not very few people are going to say, well, I tell you, this is a, this is just a sacrifice that we must make so that we can all be happy and live together and kumbaya that, that is this that is this utopia that's out there and it's not based in any reality. And I got news flash for you. All of the people who are throwing this stuff down your throats. Bernie Sanders is an incredibly wealthy man. Joe Biden is a wealthy man. Kamala Harris is a wealthy man. The Obamas were wealthy. The Trumps are wealthy. All these people that do all this, they they have absolutely no idea what it is yeah. like to raise a family of five with, say, I don't know. $160,000 a year. They have absolutely zero idea what that's like. Yep. You're right, man. I mean, and it's with, with, it's like, the, and the more you make, and, and Jennifer and I had this conversation too, because um, she would say, like, hey, you made more money. And we had this actually happen uh, two years ago. Um, I did really, really well. Um, you know, I brought in a bunch of new clients and we made a little bit more money the next year. And, uh, and it was funny, we were comparing taxes because I had to give, we had to give our tax records, um, to the bank and we made more money 
the second year, uh, but our our we ended up with with essentially the a little bit less than what we had, and some of that had to do with I also lost some deductions in the Trump tax cut stuff. Um, but but you know that happened, man. It's like I made more money and I brought home less than I did. I would have rather just made the same amount of money and bring home, you know, the that that amount versus taking a, taking a hit because I bumped into a you know a little bit higher tax bracket, but I also lost some deductions that I had previously. So you're right. Like, and I, I've had that same issue. You know, I was before the Trump tax cuts, me as a small business person, I was doing a little better. Um, cause I lost some, some tax cuts and I don't get the benefit cause I'm not a corporation. I didn't get the benefit of a reduced corporate tax rate. I just lost my deductions. So, I mean, I'm not complaining or or whatnot. I just, it is what it is. But so, all right, I did, I put some, I put some, some math in there. So, uh, there was an estimation of 331 million people in the U S in 2020. Uh, so I divided that into a third and just said that, you know, a third of the population is, you know, 18 or under. Um, and then I divided that by half. So saying half of those thirds, you know, are living in a, in a household that makes less than 125,000. I think that's being really conservative because I think that it's, more than half of America probably makes less than 125,000. And the number, uh, and it was just two years at a public university, not four years, because it's not real clear if they say that they're saying, you know, if we're going to pay for your college, you have to go to a community college first and do your two years and then go to a four year. That They didn't say that. And I didn't even calculate the community college costs. I just calculated two years of a four year university, the last two years. And it was 1.7 trillion. So it'd be a $1.7 trillion expense that is, that is going to happen. And that's, that's in addition to what it costs to run our country already. So it'd be an additional $1.7 trillion. And, you know, one of the things that I hear people say is, oh, well, it was amazing how quick we came up with all this money, um, you know, for the stimulus once, you know, the the wealthy people were hurting or the businesses were hurting. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what you guys are talking about with come up with this money. Cause that money didn't just magically appear. It's just like, if you go to the bank and you say, Hey bank, I need a $200,000 loan. And bank says, all right, I'm loaning you 200 grand and I'm charging you, you know, 3% interest. They give you the check today for $200,000 and you feel rich, right? Cause you got a, you got, you got money in your bank, but that bill comes due. And you're going to pay back a whole lot more than $200,000. You know, maybe it's 300, 350 that you pay back. If you look at your amortization schedules on your mortgages, you know, they do the disclosure certificate when you close on your house. It tells you, hey, if you borrowed 200,000 bucks and your interest rate is 5% and you just pay what you're supposed to do over five years, you're going to pay 200,000 in principal and 250,000 in interest payments. Like, it's not free. We didn't just come up with the money didn't just magically appear and is not going to have to be paid back. We have to pay that money. We're going to have to pay the stimulus money back. And guess who's going to pay it? The people who are paying taxes. Yeah. And we're just, I don't know. It, I worry about, I worry about job markets and I worry about a lot of things for young people. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, I don't worry about it as much for me as I do my kids. Right. I mean, I'm 50. I mean, I'm probably going to be all right. I'll get hit. I'm, 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 I guess I'm a quote established now. Um, end quote. You know, your your kids aren't, I've got one that's 19, one that's 17, one that's uh, just turned 14. What's, what's their job market going to look like? How, how do they get, how do they get started? How does, you know, what, what do taxes look like for them? It's just, yeah, man. I mean, and, and, and we don't have to look too far back to see what that looked like too. Cause I mean, in, 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 in 07 and 08, I mean, I remember I was working in a consult an institutional consulting firm for investments, um, in DC. And, uh, you know, there were people, especially in the financial industry, because that was the industry that was totally smoked and obliterated by the, you know, cause it was a, it, that was a, it was a, it was a financial meltdown in, in 08. Um, you know, and there were guys that were way overqualified applying for, you know, $40,000, 45000 
a year job and they had been making, you know, 125, 150 the previous year. So, you know, the, the, I, th- I fear that that may be a little bit of what's going to happen. You know, if this thing is prolonged too, is we're going to have so many underemployed people that are willing to work for less because they have to pay their bills. And I totally get that, that the people yeah. who are graduating college right now or in the next year, two years, three years, it's a tough job market, just like it was, you know, in 08. Um, you know, you're, you're going to be competing with folks with a lot more experience, can bring a lot more to the table, and they're simply asking for the same amount of money just because they got to pay bills. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's. Listen, if you're letting your kid go to college right now and get one of these liberal arts degrees today in this market, unless you've got something lined up for them that that's easy, you're you're doing your kid a disservice. I won't disagree with that. And I graduated from Millsaps and <laughs> it's a liberal well, arts school. I mean, I, I have a business with, degree, but I graduated um, with a liberal arts degree and, and, um, I can, I mean, at the risk of pissing off a lot of people, I have a master's and an undergraduate degree that absolutely did nothing for me. So, I mean, I, I just, I'll leave it at that. You, you, you need to go, you, you need to go get something. You need to be thinking if you're, if you're a young person, you need to be thinking about getting into something that, uh, requires a skill set that is not easily acquired yeah i just found the whole i found the whole week to be bothersome i really did martin i found uh i found the week to bother me and i'm, I'm worried about what the markets are going to look like i'm worried about investments i'm worried about 401ks i'm worried about the future there's a lot of people that are and and, and there's there's an inability there's an inability on the part of 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 the media to hold either party accountable really and there there's cuz if you if you watch media it's it just feels like everybody's on a side one side or the other there's 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 nothing in the middle that's holding people to to, to count there's there's nothing nothing and it it's it bothers me a lot yeah well you know and i think it's 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 and it's very well founded for people to be nervous right now about their 401k's about their investments but i will say this you know, if, if your plan is to retire in the next, you know, year, two years, three years, four years, um, it probably does make sense to really have a look, you know, like right now at your 401k or at your investment portfolio to make sure that you are not overly extended in risk in the portfolio. And that's not only in stocks, it's also in, you know, in the bond portfolio too, you want to make sure that your bond portfolio is just as diversified as your stock portfolio. Cause if you're loaded up on high yield bonds and, you know, and, and we get uh we hit a recession or this thing does not accelerate and spin out, then uh, you know, then you're going to have losses in the bond portfolio as well. But man, for, you know, if you've got 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, the best thing that people could do is to stay the course. And, and, and if we do get these, you know, a big drop in the markets, man, buy if you can and, you know, and don't panic. And I think that's, you know, if, if no one else hears, if, if people don't hear anything else that we've said today, I hope that they just hear this piece, which is, you know, don't make emotional decisions in your investment portfolio. If, if you're close to retirement or if, if your kid's getting ready to go to college in the next few years and you've got them invested in all stocks and their, you know, savings accounts or something like that, yeah, you need to, you need to look and make some adjustments, but, but if you're, you know, eight, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, <clears throat> just keep rocking and rolling and keep putting money in. And, you know, cause ultimately, and I know this will never happen. The perfect scenario is that the markets go, if you're contributing to your 401k or an IRA or an investment strategy, you're hoping that the markets go down are going down the entire time you're putting your money in. And then magically right before you're about to retire or, or you need that money, you want the markets to skyrocket up, which I know will, that never happens. I'm just creating a perfect scenario. So if you're able to put money in monthly into things, that man, that's, that's the best strategy you could possibly have. And I know it sounds real simple and defeatist, but man, it's, it's the best thing that can work. It's just constantly putting a little bit in um, when you can, because we can't control, you know, what Biden does or what Kamala Harris does. And, um, you know, and I'm fully convinced that I, I think you're right. I think that the, I think the Democrats will, will win this election. I think Biden and Harris will win this election. Uh, I don't think Biden will be, you know, 
be the president long. And one of the things that kind of made me think Kamala Harris knows this as well. And and I'm going to circle back. Sorry, I'm so ADD, man. I'm going to circle back to the thing that you were talking about when, or what we were talking about at the very beginning of the show about the fracking. Cause I just, I remember, and it was weird to me that she said that she wasn't saying we will not ban fracking. She said, quote, Joe Biden will not ban fracking. That's a fact. That's a fact. I'll repeat that Joe Biden has clear, very clear that he thinks about growing jobs. And I'm like, okay, where's the we in this ticket piece? There wasn't. Well, that, that is indeed what she said, and I'm, I'll take your word for it. Then I will give her credit for being truthful. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. That's <laughs> that was the point that I was that you just you 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 definitely uh, used your words better than me. She was being very honest that Joe Biden will not ban fracking. So if if Joe Biden is elected, I've just man, I think with my heart of hearts that we're really electing Kamala Harris and, and Nancy Pelosi. By the way, as, as we get ready to close, uh, the some of the TV ratings are out. The uh, VP debate um, went down 20% in ratings. What? Just fat- really? People are, people are fatigued, yeah. Damn. Well, and I listened yeah. last night. So, like all the memes about the fly, I had no idea what people were talking about because I was I was at soccer practice waiting on Christopher to get done, and then I had to pick Bella up from her youth activities at church. So I was just listening to to the debate on the radio. Yeah, it, I, as soon as I saw the fly, I was like, "Oh God, that's that's what we're that's what we're going to focus on because the media has the attention span of a of, of a three year old." When I've seen it from both sides, I have some friends that are on the left too. And they were like, look, even flies, even flies are attracted to the, to the crap. And I was like, well, if that was true, it would be on both of them. And then I've seen on my right, you know, like the, my buddies that are conservative, like, you know, even the fly chose Pence over Harris. I was like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Billy, to me, that's, that gets away from the conversation that we should be having, but, yep. but I'm surprised our attention spans really short. Yeah. We all need a dose of Ritalin. I guess so. All right. Uh, I know you got to get, so uh, be safe. Have a great weekend for uh, Martin Palomo. I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. Don't forget it's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Tell them that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. Any of the MPW Digital Network of podcasts, you'll get 10% off your first year's fees. Until next week, take care.